On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irokti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligam, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. His mother effectively said this is no longer a family business and that uh, whilst you work here, you have responsibilities, but not rights. Today on the Indo-Daily, the real-life Irish succession. I could not believe this would have happened to me. If anyone said to me years earlier that this is going to happen, I wouldn't believe it. You'd imagine the lives of the owners of a luxury retail chain like Kilkenny Design would be idyllic. However, with the O'Gorman family, you could be mistaken for believing you're watching an episode of the TV drama Succession. I thought we should bring in external people, but other family members had a different idea. So then I left the company. When you have um, family and business together, it can very often cause conflict. Family fallouts, courtroom clashes and the airing of dirty linen have seen the family come centre stage for more than pottery, paintings and pastries. I know you have to look for the business, but for it damages the family. And then when it comes to having to make that decision, it's really very hard. And now there's another plot twist with a new novel by a family member that could be too close for comfort. It's always very difficult for us as a family. Three members are in the business and my son is doing his own thing. So it's played out to that. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by John Isle, Deputy Business Editor of the Irish Independent, to talk about the acrimonious business and personal relationship between Kilkenny Group matriarch Marion O'Gorman and her estranged son, Greg. John, tell us about the O'Gorman family and their background. Well, the O'Gorman family would be better known as the owners of the Kilkenny Group, which is the company that runs 13 of these shops selling mainly to tourists, but also to Irish people, um, luxury goods, Irish design goods, everything from pottery to wool products to decorative items and so forth. They have cafes in some of these shops and so forth, and uh, it's a very historically profitable business. And the most recent accounts show it had a turnover of about 27 million euro, and that was in a COVID year. So that gives you a sense of the scale of this business that the O'Gormans own. Now, their history, their roots are in the Blarney Woolen Mills business, uh, dating back decades, in fact. And uh, there have been various iterations 
Um, the family ha- has uh, fingers in a lot of pies, not just the, the Blarney business, not just the Kilkenny business, but also the well-known Meadows and Burn business as well. And they have some property assets around the country. So really a very uh, wealthy family and a very successful family. Yeah, it, it all began really with Christy Keller, who was regarded as kind of Mr. Blarney, really. That's right. And that business was, you know, started decades ago. And then, uh, uh, of course, uh, eventually he died in uh, 1991, which, uh, which sparked a, a dispute within the family. And eventually that, that company was kind of split into various different uh, subdivisions, one of which was the Kilkenny Group, which was grown by Marion O'Gorman, who is, uh, let's say, the matriarch of the family now and the largest shareholder in that business and really developed it through the 90s and, and through the Celtic Tiger years to become a real force in Irish retail. Back in the 1990s, I thought we should bring in... Bring in external people but other family members had a different idea they were saying well it's not broken don't, there's nothing broken don't fix it we had disagreements about that so then I left the company um, demerged from it back in 2000 but it, there was a bit of family conflict back then um, so I had been saying to myself there's no way I'm going to let that happen in Kilkenny in the new business when the family members ever come in when you have um, family and business together it can very often cause conflict her son, Greg O'Gorman, was the, the marketing director uh, in the Kilkenny Group for, for 13 years again during that time when the group was, was, uh, was expanding and becoming the brand that is today. Irish design represents um, innovation, it represents quality, it represents uniqueness and a word that maybe wouldn't have been associated with Irish design previously but I think it can be now is that it's actually affordable. Then it all came to an abrupt halt. That's right. Greg was uh, was the marketing director for quite some time and through a tough period in the business, you know, th- through the period where uh, after the Celtic Tiger, obviously the, the financial crisis when things weren't great, people didn't have a lot of money to spend, especially on the sort of luxury goods uh, that the Kilgenny Group uh, sold. And, you know, it was a global recession, which meant the tourism numbers were lower as well. So he was the marketing director for a period where not alone was uh, the business challenge, but he actually managed to grow the business for, for a period after 2010. Uh, you know, the, the profits in the business and the revenue were steadily increasing all through that time as the economy recovered. But then suddenly in 2016, uh, he was fired by his own mother, um, which is maybe something no, none of us would like to experience on either a professional or an emotional level. Now, this was called a no-fault uh, dismissal, which meant that no reason was given. It's just, that's it. You're gone. You're not the marketing director anymore. Well, Greg O'Gorman obviously didn't like this uh, turn of events, so he immediately took legal action to stop this dismissal and to require his mother to honor a deal which he said was holding the Kilkenny Group in trust uh, for him and his siblings all on an equal basis, which would have meant he had a 25% stake, an entitlement in the business equal to a quarter. Now this rolled on, went into the high court, um, and it was a, it was really a bitter family feud that that rolled on for the better part of three years. The justice in the case sending them to mediation uh, numerous times. Dramatic headlines were generated by the high court battle. Uh, mediation really took a very long time to work, but the the row was eventually brought to a conclusion in, in August uh, 2018, which settled the business dispute, but. Unfortunately, not the family dispute, and Greg remains estranged from his mother to this date, and um, it really isn't in touch with his siblings either, who are also shareholders in, in the Kilkenny Group. 
Oh, sure. Um, I could not believe this would have happened to me. And I thought I had it all planned that it would never happen. Um, so it was very difficult for us as a family. Um, and still is, but, you know, it's, we have to get on with it now. So three members are in the business and my son is doing his own thing. Greg had some very strong things to say about his mother in the papers lodged in this court case. Yes, eventually by the time he got over the shock of being fired by by his own mother, uh, he submitted a statement of claim which described his mother as, quote, by nature a domineering, aggressive and belligerent person with a well-documented propensity for acrimonious dispute with close family members. So he really laid into, really laid into his mother there, while at the same time saying he had been demeaned and humiliated uh, by this action and that there was no suggestion on his part that there was misconduct or non-performance. And what he was saying is effectively, there was no reason. I was just let go for, for you know, for spite. Yeah, so it it was resolved what do you call it satisfactory or not is is another another matter but the, the the matter did go through the courts and there was effectively a settlement at the end of it do we do we know about the details of it or was that kind of kept in house we don't now there was a, a confidentiality uh, confidentiality agreement which limits what any parties can say about their dispute but um Greg O'Gorman did speak to the Sunday Independent in 2019 about his reasons for taking the case and said he was in financially a very difficult position and that quote he had to do uh, what he did for his family and for myself, and he'll make no apologies for that. Now, if you look at what he earned from the company in, in 2016, the last year he was working for them, he was uh, on a salary of 247,000 euros, so quite well compensated for the work he was doing as as marketing director. But nonetheless, he said that h- him, his wife, and his three children have been left financially destitute by this action and unable to secure any alternative employment. So he was forced, according to his perspective, into taking this case. Now, the resolution, uh, as I said, was not publicized. But if you look in the company's uh, latest financial accounts, which are to the end of January 2022, you'll see that Greg remains a 25% shareholder, equal to his mother, Marion. And then his uh, his other siblings, Michelle, Melissa, and Christopher, are all 16.66% uh, shareholders in the business. So he's the largest shareholder of the siblings. And that gives you some indication of how that... Um, how that case might have been resolved with uh, with uh, continued shareholding in the group. When Greg says his mother has a well-documented propensity for acrimonious dispute with close family members, not entirely untrue, is it? Yes, well, it's important to remember where she came from. So she, she's originally from Blarney and Cork, the daughter of the legendary Cork entrepreneur, Christy Kelleher, who was the founder of the Blarney Woolen Mills Empire. Now, she was a key figure in that company, but then also a key figure in an earlier family feud, which saw the Blarney Tourism and Crafts Empire carved in two following the death of Christy Kelleher. Uh, one part of that group became Meadows and Byrne, uh, which was operated by her sister, uh, Frida Hayes. And the other part of it became uh, was eventually carved out into the Kilkenny Group, which is the independent entity that she wound up leading for, for 22 years. Now, that dispute was was quite bitter. There was a power struggle, mainly between Marion and her sister, Frida, who had a major falling out. And as I said, the, the latter went on to form another business, the Meadows and Byrne uh, lifestyle chain, which eventually was reunited uh, with the Blarney Group after yet another family dispute in 1999. This was eight years after the first one, which involved Marion's husband, Michael, 
and her other siblings, mainly her brothers, who she accused of trying to oust her husband as a director of the group. Eventually, everything was was settled with Marion taking Kilkenny in her direction and Frida taking Meadows and Byrne. And then there was this recapitulation, really, with her own son, uh, eventually, uh, in 2016, when, when uh, he was let go from the company. That went into its own court dispute. So there's estrangements all over this family, sad to say. It's a bit like the plot of Succession, really. And now we have uh, another twist uh, coming up uh, in this saga with a a fictional book. That's right. Greg O'Gorman's wife uh, is a writer. Her name is Michelle McDonough. Uh, She's a former journalist with the Connacht Tribune and has gone on to become a novelist. Now, her debut novel, which is being published this month, is called There's Something... I have to tell you, and and boy, does she have something to, to tell us all. Now, intriguingly, the plot of this book um, very closely resembles the plot of her husband's own life and his relationship with his mother. So the, the novel, Gregor Gorman has said uh, in an interview uh, about his wife's book is based on, quote, a narcissistic mother-in-law who is completely fictional, of course, he says. Um, now, this book is coming out. It's about a controlling businesswoman and matriarch named Ursula, who's the head of, the, of a family firm, and she, she runs it with an iron fist. Her long-suffering daughter-in-law, Kate, and son, Rob, uh, work very hard on her behalf, but feel taken for granted as a result. And the resentments simmer and fester until eventually Ursula meets a terrible fate in the book, and Kate and Rob find themselves under suspicion for her, her murder. So there's, you know, it's kind of very uh, juicy kind of thriller-type plot, which is maybe a, a slightly juicier than, <laughs> than um, you know, the real-life plot, which is assumed to, to be based on. Now, Greg and his wife um, have taken legal advice on the plot and so forth and say that there's, there's no real resemblance, that the setting is very different, the type of business is very different, the characters are very different, that any similarities are superficial and, and unintended. But, you know, you can read it into it what you will. You know, you have uh, the author Michelle McDonough saying, well, I don't think there are any real similarities, but obviously you'll bring some of your own life experience into your writing. And that's only fair, I think. Uh, you know, novelists throughout history have, have done the same. I suppose when I look back and everyone looks back and all mothers feel this, um, you look back and I was, I was really that workaholic. I was addicted to work a bit. I think it was a confidence thing with me. I was trying to prove to myself and to my father that I could do it because... Um, he actually put my one of my sisters in a pedestal, on a pedestal, and I was never seen as anyone that could do it. Even my, I didn't think myself, absolutely not. It's hard to tell here whether the non-fiction uh, account of the rise of this this retail empire is would would make a better movie than this fictional uh, book called There's Something I Have to Tell You featuring the, the the domineering matriarch at the heart of it all. Well, the nice thing about fiction is that you can take artistic license. And again, so much of this is under wraps and, and, and is between family members. And there's really a very sad story at the heart of it, which is the estrangement of a, of a mother and her, and her son. You know, I think, I think it's, it, it's telling and, and, and probably very heartbreaking um, that Greg is estranged not just from his mother, but from the rest of the family members who, who are also shareholders in, in the Kilkenny group. 
Um, but the fictionalization, I think, allows you a certain artistic license to maybe take it in directions uh, that are less mundane than what happens in real life. You know, the business of running a company is mostly day-to-day -day very boring and is not full of uh, dramatic court disputes. It's full of, you know, PowerPoint <laughs> slides and, and dreary annual reports. By the way, <laughs> getting back to the, the nonfiction, how is the Kilkenny Group performing these days? I mean, you've got great brands here, Blarney, Kilkenny, Medicine Burn. They all seem to be thriving uh, in, the, in the current climate. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, it's a brand that really can't be beat. The, you know, the, the company employs nearly 300 people. The last accounts, which were filed up to the end of January 2022, showed a 27 million turnover, but a loss of 1.5 million. Now, the company attributed that loss partly to a court dispute it was having with its landlord, the Santa building, which it um, which it resides in in Nassau Street in Dublin. Uh, there was a, a dispute with the landlord there, which cost them quite a lot of money. Whether that was legal fees or a settlement, the accounts don't specify, but they took an exceptional charge. Now, they had an operating profit of about half a million, which they said was, was mainly COVID-related, that they were only just getting back on their feet in 2021 after being allowed to fully open again in May of that year. Um, but the two trading years before that, obviously, were seriously compromised by lockdown pandemics, not being able to run their cafes and so forth, and the massive reduction in tourism as a result of travel restrictions. But the company has really gone very, very well. I mean, if you look back to 20, 2010, which was a, quite a poor year, not just for the economy, but for the firm, their turnover was just $10 million. So if you're looking at that in less than a decade and a half, or just a little more than a decade, in fact, they've nearly trebled their turnover, which is a tremendous performance for any, any retail group, especially considering how challenged retail has been in recent Marion O'Gorman, highly regarded though in business circles, really, isn't she? Yeah, described really as a transformative leader and, and, and a real innovator as well. I mean, if you look at what Kilkenny has managed to do, it's kind of packaged up this sort of brand image of Irish culture, no less than Blarney Willow Mills, by the way, and then kind of sold it on to a thriving tourist market of Americans who will be visiting Dublin and various other um, tourism sites around the country and sort of are attracted like bees to honey to this, to this shop to kind of get these iconic um, Irish uh, branded items to bring back home as mementos for their trip or really just as to have as quality luxury goods, you know, for their sort of day-to-day -day use as well. But, you know, it's her kind of... Uh her drive and her determination and her innovation is definitely well regarded in the sector. and But often, you know, leaders like that can be spiky, um, they can be difficult to work for, and they can be difficult to satisfy. Um, so, you know, behind every super successful entrepreneur is probably a lot of fractured relationships because the demands required to grow a business to that scale um, and to achieve the success that Kilkenny Group has achieved, it's a big challenge on your emotions and it's probably a big drain on your relationships. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that the matriarch in Michelle McDonough's book is described as a workaholic and Greg uh, laments his own childhood. But if you talk to any entrepreneur or anybody who has built a business, it requires lots of on-hand uh, lots of on-hand work, presence, um, and nobody else is going to do it for you, really. Uh, and I, I, I think there are definitely kind of two sides to any kind of dispute like this, uh, and it's a pity that they weren't able to patch up their differences. Yeah, we have a good long history in Ireland about 
family fallouts. Really, I mean, in in more recent decades, you can you can point uh, to cases like the Coleman's, the Dunn's uh, dynasty as well. This one though kind of ranks up there in terms of it being intergenerational. Though you normally have one big fight within a family because um, a, a patriarch or a matriarch passes away and there's a dispute amongst the kids. This one seems to have be multifaceted. Indeed it does. Probably yeah. making it unique probably in these kind of family trilogies. Indeed, and the common denominator in all of them is, is Marion, it has to be said. Um, you know, there's a kind of a truism that business advisors have, which is that the first generation builds the business, the second generation grows the business, and the third generation ruins the business. Um, now, that hasn't quite happened yet. You know, we haven't seen it, the Kilkenny group, turned over entirely to the children at this point. But it'd be interesting to see how the group uh, continues on with the four children as shareholders in the future, whether anybody gets bought out. If you look at the Avoca group, they very sensibly sold it to Aramark rather than uh, fight amongst themselves in the third generation. They just took their money off the table and said, "Let's go ahead and you know li- live our lives now and, and go on and do other things if we want to." Um, yeah, you mentioned the Duns as well. Like this happens. I, I don't think it's a particularly Irish thing. I think it's any place where you have family businesses. What's interesting about this is they actually saw trouble on the horizon and bothered to put together a family constitution, which is something that business advisors tell uh, family businesses to do. So when we went into Kilkenny, I actually got um, a family constitution written up and um, we got a professional company to do it in Dublin. Now, did I question everything? No, I did not. Did I understand everything? I thought I did, maybe not. It wasn't as written as well as it should have been written. And that was the one thing that caused a bit more conflict down the line for me. You know, very clearly delineate who does what who owns what and who's answerable to whom, so that you have this document, you have a kind of an external point of reference, rather than just your own emotions. And like, we all grew up in families and we know how difficult they can sometimes be. And if you imagine the sort of fireworks that can go on in a family, along with the emotions that you also bring to the workplace, it's a very volatile, very combustible mixture. And the kind of hurt and the wounds that you can bring, you know, from as far back as when you were a child, into your relationships as a professional adult because you happen to be working with the people you grew up with. Um, it, I think it's very hard to manage all that, both professionally and emotionally. And so the more you can kind of bring in those advisors, those kind of constitutional-type documents, uh, the better off you are. Although clearly it's not a fail-safe mechanism because it didn't work for the Kilkenny Group. And my thanks to John Oyle. I'm Fiona Jean, and today's episode was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Saoirse Mulgrew, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE, Virgin Media News, Newstalk, Joe.ie and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. 